gentlemen, leaders and fighters for freedom and liberty and the American dream, the best is yet to come. Welcome to Move Left Idiots, a socialist talk podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montarulo, uh, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's going on? I don't know. I've been checked out of politics for a while, and I haven't ridden my bike for way too long uh, because we got like nine feet of snow here in Chicago. So I, I haven't been doing the things I love, which is riding a bike and bitching about politics right. <laughs> so i'm a little yeah i'm a little checked out like i'm a little out of my element i don't know i don't know what the fuck i've been playing fucking spider-man for ps4 or ps5 Miles, whichever yeah. one they're on now um, uh I, oh yeah so yeah i just i just beat i just beat spider-man uh the, the morales, Miles morales, yeah. Miles morales i just beat it last night you know, and there's like 15 hours of credits for the fucking game ending. You know, it's like right. it didn't even take this long to fucking beat the game. What are you doing? <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's immersive. It's so immersive. It's so immersive. That's what I know. they say. But uh, yeah, it's fun. And then it's like, oh, you've saved New York City. You saved the world. And it's like, okay, now I have all these powers, and I, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Now what do I do in the game? And it's like, oh, new side mission unlocked. I'm like, sweet. I'm going to go fuck shit up more. Right. Like, like, you just want to keep, like, you don't feel like it's in the end. You feel like this is a world that you want to inhabit where you, you really have all these fucking powers and you can scale that's, buildings and shit. That's the problem. Like, game like a game like that or a game like, there's this great Batman series of games called like the Arkham series, Arkham uh, Asylum, Arkham City, and all this shit. Yeah. And and uh, this game I, I I you know I played a couple of years ago uh, when it came out, which is fucking amazing. It's one of my favorite games ever, Jedi Fallen Order. It's a Star Wars game, and it's immersive like that. And you learn like all these skills as you go along. And then like when you get to the end, you get like maybe one level where you actually get to even use all the skills you learn. And it's like up. Oh, credits game's over right like i guess you could play through again but it's the same shit it's like fuck i just like you play made me a these. god and now <laughs> right. you want me to like just log off like no I right. <laughs> but that funny. game's that game i highly recommend that game uh for you and ash to check out because that, that's like yeah. a super uh immersive like sorry like and the story is actually good because they have you know like with the series they have time to, to tell it. it's not you know, trying to rush to film a movie, you know, when you have a two-year deadline and just come up with a bunch of shit and throw it right. in a blender. You know, um, even if you don't have a good story, just just give me a MacGuffin. That's right, all. Right. I don't, you know. Right, no, sure. What's in the What's in the box? Doesn't matter. Right. Doesn't so, matter. Um, what, what's, what's in the briefcase? It's shiny. That doesn't. That's all that matters. <laughs> so, you know, I told you, uh, I guess last week or two weeks ago that I was doing, I was, I was starting to do electrical work. I'm actually going to start uh, teaching myself how to do woodworking now. Is my next uh, oh, my next project? You, you've evolved from the uh, Gilded Age back to the Bronze Age, right? Right. Well, <laughs> well it, you know, because I always like doing that shit. Like when we, I don't know if you, you took shop class, I assume, in middle school or uh, uh, I took I took home econ and learned how to bake. 
Yeah, I took that too. <laughs> so I took that I too. No, I you know I took a shop class I think in middle school. I mean, right, how right. to like mold plastic resin into to like make like a uh, you know five hundred capacity ashtray out of plastic. You know that kind of shit. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Man, that's, that's, uh, that's so 80s. Like, that's not something we did when right. I was in, in middle school. <laughs> Back then, I was just like, oh, yeah, sure. Of course, you're going to need a fucking ashtray. I haven't seen an ashtray right. in 10 years. I don't well, think. when I was in middle school, teachers could still smoke in the teacher's lounge. So, like, we, we watch those, like, early episodes of The Simpsons. Right. And, like, the teachers are, like, smoking in the break room. Like, that, was, that wasn't an so exaggeration. So bizarre to me now, right? Still, right. Uh, I, I remember even before I went to school, because my parents were teachers, I would, like, occasionally have to go to their school on a day when like they just had no daycare to take care of me and like i actually saw like the the ashtray in the teacher's lounge and it was like the size of a watermelon and it was overflowing by like a foot <laughs> and i was just like how stressful could teaching be you just hang out with kids and now like i know i know the politics of right teaching. right, right. Like, now that you know you're like fuck yeah i'm I like how it. could you take that away from them jesus christ <laughs> right they're suffering I know, I know, and now Larry Lightfoot's gonna force them all to go back to school and fucking kill themselves for, oh, yeah, you know, to just to yeah. keep the businesses in Chicago running. Fucking oh, psychopath that she yeah, is. Yeah, I, I kind of even checked out of that too. I was following it for a while, but they were basically, you know, the mayor, Mary, Mary, uh, uh, mayor, Mary, the mayor, <laughs> Lori Lightfoot, right, or as I call her, Lori Leadfoot, because she's trying to uh, step on the gas to get teachers back into school. Even though we don't have any vaccines for COVID for students or teachers. Uh, so CTU, the union's been fighting this really hard. And I don't even know where it is right now because, like I said, I checked out of politics for the last few days here. She forced uh, them back in. I mean, they, you know, they, they, yeah. they wouldn't meet to negotiate with the CTU. They um, basically were saying, like, you know, the teachers were like, look, we'll work. We, we want to work from home. Like, it... it this this whole idea of oh schools are closed is fucking ridiculous when these people when when these teachers are still putting together lesson plans working from home dealing with all the other shit that they have to deal with when they're home you know around their own kids uh, and trying to teach these kids and keep their attention remotely is just as challenging as as working in a classroom but like to the fucking it's, it's, it's more challenging right right and, in a lot of what ways the mayor wants and what the city wants what the what the school department wants is for teachers to be present in person in the classroom teaching kids and teaching remotely online at the same time which just <laughs> what, physically right, is not possible right right because there there are you know a segment of students who are um who, whose parents opted out of in-person learn you know they said like whether you go back or not this semester i don't want to risk my life by having my kid bring home some you know fucking right. viral disease and infect us all as a carrier um so I want to have this kid opt out. So they are still, you know, able to stay home and, and learn remotely and they still need to be taught by their same teachers. But yeah, so like you said, those teachers need to like basically talk to the room full of kids and the fucking thing. And it just gets down to the point of like teachers are just are thought of as, you know, daycare attendants for capitalism. That's all the fucking these these mayors of these cities, these democratic mayors mostly and governors see these fucking teachers as is like you know, daycare, free daycare for your kids, because right. of, of course we don't have any fucking well, daycare. And, in this and that's exactly how the mayor has pitched this, saying, "Well, low-income, marginalized communities can't afford to pay for daycare for their kids, so that's why we need them get to get the kids back in the classroom." And if you know anything about Chicago, you know, like the entire south half of the city is black, 
right? right. And that's that's where like ninety percent of our COVID fatalities are, and that's where only ten percent of our vaccinations have gone. And they did a poll, and eighty percent of black and brown families in the city said we don't want our kids back in the classroom, right? Because we're, we're so fucking scared that they're going to bring it home and infect the whole family. And they're the communities most ravaged by it because they're the ones who have to work, you know, the the in within the most proximity to other people, you know, right. grocery stores and retail and like all the shit that you know, and like I, it, it's just yeah, it, it's 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 just further exacerbating the fucking wealth gap in this country. And like the um the there's a fucking a group of you know like like a reopen the schools I forget the name of it some shitty slogan uh in Chicago a parents group right um not a single uh, parent of color in this entire group there's like thirty people in this group and if for Chicago which is I think it's like seventy percent non-white something like that some crazy it, like it, it's just some incredibly it's it's like Fuck. half. It's right. like half. Um, so it's it's like it's like forty nine percent white, uh, or like not. What do they call that? I forget the demographic term. Uh, like white, non-Caucasian white or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's it's like twenty five percent black and about twenty five percent Hispanic. Uh, but yeah, no, it's still like if you look at like the number of of uh, children enrolled in the school. Then that number shifts even more. Then then you're at like the seventy percent mark. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe that's what maybe that's the number I'm referring to. But um, yeah. And of, and of course the parents group is all white, and it's all the fucking you know people that work in the business fucking the offices who who could give a shit you know about these people who are you know struggling. Like the, it, it it's just it really is like two worlds. Like that's I mean and you know it's it's always been this country, but. It's really exacerbated by the pandemic and by the way you see all this shit rolling out. And by the way, by the way, like that uh, you're seeing just a complete reversal of all of the uh, like modicum of care that all of these Democratic governors and mayors were taking while while Trump was in office to, you know, shut these things down and to slow roll all these openings. It, it seems like every Democratic um mayor and governor is in a race to see who can kill the most uh residents of their city or state it's you right know now. gavin newsom versus uh uh andrew cuomo like who can get the most amount of grease product and their hair slicked back <laughs> and who can kill the most amount of their citizens <laughs> in their state right right no i mean that's really what it is and fucking cuomo the other day like there's an article i think it was in the in the times about how um nine of his top health uh, health aides health advisors uh have quit because he just doesn't fucking listen to them he's just you know he's trying to reopen indoor dining at a time where the pandemic is twice as high as it was in april when everyone in the fucking city was dying um you know he he's he's just he's such a fucking arrogant prick and in the press conference i asked him about it, he's like you know i use uh i use the word air quotes when i uh when I, when i talk about experts and people think that means that i don't believe them because i don't like it's like great. So you're under. You're also undermining public confidence in health officials during a fucking deadly pandemic when we can't get half the country right. to wear a fucking mask. So he's he's just he is exactly like Trump in so many ways, and it, it's amazing to me that people still hold him up as this fucking beacon of how to handle COVID when. I can't imagine a, a worse fucking handling of COVID than the way Andrew Cuomo handled it in the first. You know. Oh, and he just uh, re-legalized gatherings, uh, especially weddings, up to 150 people. Yeah, that's insanity. Who's having a wedding of 150 people other than people who are ultra-wealthy and hyper-religious? Like, that's who's got his ear. 
Right, right, right. <sighs> God damn. Well, on that note, uh, yeah. So we, we should talk about a little bit about the uh, the insurrection at the Capitol again. Um, because... Do we have another one, or is it just the same one that <laughs> no, we're still same... unpacking? What's well, the same one that like nobody? We we've all kind of basically. I mean, not we personally, but like the country as a whole has basically just been like, oh yeah, that happened. Like you know, people tried to overthrow the government, and like a bunch of Congress uh, men and women were were. Uh, provably in on it to varying degrees and may have been trying to get their colleagues murdered. And, and it's like, Oh no, they're, they're still going to Congress still, you know, walking around metal detectors still like it, it, it's kind of insane to me that, that we're, we've reached this level, but you know, we're of course going to learn all of the wrong lessons from this, like as we, as we yeah. always do. Um, and I, I wanted to play some audio for, for us because there is, um, the CIA spook was on NPR uh, the other day, and it, this is exactly what we can expect from a Biden administration, because, I mean, this is who Joe Biden has been his entire career. You know, he helped uh, shepherd the Patriot Act to its final form and shepherd it through Congress. And the only thing we're going to really see from this in terms of consequences is a further excuse to crack down on citizens and on their privacy rights um, and, and on civil liberties. So I want to play this audio of this guy and his recommendation uh, for, for how we should handle uh, domestic terrorists going forward, and then we'll, we'll talk sure. about it. So th this is just like the first two minutes and ten seconds of uh, a longer clip from NPR. I, I That's as far as I got on it, so that's why I'll, we're only going to rage about the first two minutes because if we played the whole thing or talked about the whole thing, I'd lose my fucking mind. Um, but just like one thing to note, like if you go to YouTube, right. And you look at videos from PBS or NPR or BBC, they all say, uh, that, oh, the NPR and BBC are supported, uh, by, uh, you know, the, the funds from the public, yeah, right. You, sounds very Viewers nice. like you. <laughs> if you go to, you go to Al Jazeera or RT or Telemundo, or not Telemundo, Telesur, Telesur, it all says, this network is paid for by the regime of the like it's it's like right. super dark and scary the Maduro right? regime, <laughs> but but just keep in mind that like you know we we don't really need NPR because we've already got you know all of our corporate media is state sponsored media, right? Like they print whatever the Pentagon tells them, whatever the White House tells them, whatever the CIA tells them, they fucking print it verbatim, right? Uh, you know Jeff Bezos, who is now going to uh, apparently retire as the the uh, CEO of Amazon, but still be the executive board member. So, like, what's the difference, right? There's no, yeah, exactly. Right. You know, Washington Post, like, basically is the CIA. They are, that that is their newspaper. They have a contract with the CIA. Uh, but That's worth more listen, than what they paid for the entire paper, by the way. <laughs> right. But just listen to this intro and just keep keep in mind, that, like, NPR is the the radio network of the U.S. government, Right. You know, uh, paid for by, you know, endowments by Coca-Cola. <laughs> and also, uh, and yeah. by viewers like you. Right. And also consider that the people who listen to NPR the most are, are your your liberal, you know, aunt who fucking, you know, lives alone with 15 cats. Like, the people that listen to NPR are, are almost entirely liberal, and this is where they get their worldview from. Right. And, and this, this is where yeah. they think that they're leftists. Right. This is this is the media that t informs them as to what is like a leftist 
policy slant. Right. Right. And listen to this and tell me if you think this is a left wing view. Right. NPR News. This is All Things Considered. I'm Elsa Chang. And I'm Mary Louise Kelly. Robert Grenier has thoughts on how to defeat violent extremists here in the U.S., and he grounds them in his personal experience fighting violent extremists overseas. Grenier is a former CIA counterterrorism chief. He was the CIA's station chief in Pakistan on 9-11. Grenier believes we may be witnessing the dawn of a sustained wave of violent insurgency with within our own country, and he believes counterinsurgency tactics that worked abroad could work here. Robert Grenier, welcome. Good to speak with you. Well, good to be on with you, Mary Louise. I want to start by understanding how you see the problem. As you watched events unfold at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, what did you see? Well, uh, I don't think we knew precisely what to make of it at first. Initially, it seemed as though these were a group of angry citizens who'd been fired up by the president and who went marching off to the Capitol. Subsequently, what I think we saw was that uh, disproportionately represented among them were a number of individuals from uh, violent extremist groups, and they were taking advantage of the situation in order to uh, do what they might otherwise have wanted to do in any case, and that was to uh, upset the constitutional order. And as someone who has watched uh, many violent insurgencies unfold in various countries around the world, what felt the same to you? What felt different? Well, you know, I don't want to be one uh, to suggest that somehow uh, the United States is going to in any way resemble Iraq or Afghanistan at uh, the height of violence. But what I think is useful is uh, to have uh, some way of thinking about the problem and thinking through the elements of the solution. So I think as in any uh, insurgency situation, you have committed insurgents who are typically a relatively small proportion of the affected population. But what enables them to uh, carry forward their program is a, a large number of people from whom they can draw tacit support. And that's what I'm primarily concerned with here. I think what is most important is that we drive a wedge between those uh, violent individuals and the people who may otherwise see them as reflecting their interests and fighting on their behalf. Okay, so let me get your reaction first as I draw my ire. Right. So, um... <laughs> Number one, I just want to point out that she she's oh well he was the station chief in Pakistan on nine eleven oh great so the country we we totally missed that Osama bin Laden was hiding in for like fucking ten years after nine eleven when we invaded right. two fucking countries that didn't even attack like yeah let's get his opinion why are you inv- interviewing the guy who let nine eleven happen on his watch <laughs> right? like what what the fuck was he doing in Pakistan if not trying to stop a nine eleven from happening. Right. And so the gist of uh, his, you know, the whole interview with him is that he wants to start treating, uh, you know, domestic terrorists. And that's a can be broadly defined, you know, by by the people defining it as anybody who stands against the interests of the Constitution uh, as as insurgents. So, you know, so, you know, next time, next time uh, you're at a wedding in like Alabama, you better fucking watch the skies to make sure that, you know, uh, 
the fucking ceremony of oh, like man. Jim Bob and and if I you know, whatever. If I had a drone, drone army, I would nuke so many fucking. I would drone strike so many fucking Alabama weddings. Uh, <laughs> they have it coming anyway. Um, d- just the way that they t- well, just hurt. Like she needs to fucking swallow the phlegm in her throat and not go <sighs> into the microphone every time she needs to draw breath. Like yeah, well, they, she they needs all... a microphone coach. Everyone, Seriously. everyone from NPR talks like Elizabeth Warren. It makes me fucking nuts. I can't take the. We, we're oh, not going to well, see well, a violent from... insurgency unfold <laughs> like we did in Iraq and Afghanistan. Like, are you kidding me? Right. What? Who caused the violent insurgency in Iraq and Afghanistan? It was the United States. We went there with the fucking military to overthrow their governments and crush their armies. We are the violent insurgents. <laughs> right. And, and who are all the people raiding the Capitol? They're all fucking former or current cops and troops and white nationalists and Nazis and Proud Boys and Boogaloo Boys, whatever the fuck they call themselves right. now. They are the state. They're people armed and trained. You know how every fucking Marvel villain, except for Thanos, was a creation of the heroes? Like, all their origin stories is like, right. oh, Tony Stark wasn't nice to me, but he funded my program, so now I'm going to try to kill him, and right. I'm the villain. I'm, you know. It's it's like that, because they can't come up with anything other than, like, hey, what if there was a good guy that wasn't the good guy, but the bad guy, but they had the same powers as, as the good guy, and had a slight quibble of morality, and that's the only real difference. And like the the lesson is that like, hey, maybe you shouldn't have superheroes that create supervillains, right? You know, and that's like the best thing come up with is an origin story. Right. That's literally because that's the way real life works. Right. No, a hundred percent. And and we are back live from Madison, Wisconsin. <laughs> Hello, America. Hello. Um. Yeah. Mm. So we have a little audio dif- uh, difficulty, but we are back. Um. But yeah, so yeah, where were we? What were we talking about? Well, we were talking about this 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 dickhead uh, from the from the NPR uh, interview with the CIA guy. Uh, but yeah, that guy. Yeah, it, it, it's just you know, again, this is all we're gonna get from the Biden administration is you know the Patriot Act two That's the you know no consequences for any of the Congress people that were um, giving fucking tours to people at a time where tours were actually forbidden (laughs) inside of Congress. Uh, Multiple uh, Republican congressmen and women were giving... Jewish space laser lady. Yeah, yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene, that fucking lunatic who literally is is liked... Like, every week there's a new one. It was Laura Boebert uh, one week, right? The the, uh, Forever 21 after 35 woman, yeah. And now we've got uh, Major Taylor Greene... Right, right, right. Marjorie uh, Taylor Greene, who's a fucking—I mean, like next-level QAnon fucking lunatic—who, um, like, in 2019 was like liking posts on Facebook about uh, murdering Congress, like Democratic Congresswomen. So, like, you know, she's a real uh, she's a real fucking winner. But uh, yeah, these people are out of their fucking mind. And like, th- again, the only people that are going to face consequences are us the people you know the just the regular fucking civilians who had nothing to do with this and had nothing to do with the the uh, you know paramilitary right-wing groups that were fucking trying to use this as cover to literally go in and snatch up fucking politicians so like um you know we we uh i sent you before we went on air aoc had uh, gone on i guess instagram live the other day and kind of told her uh recounting of the day and, you know, we're not going to play the audio for me because it's like a 25-minute, you know, clip of her telling her story uh, about, you know, what happened that day. 
but she was basically um in her office and then she said that some guy came in like screaming like where is she where is she and it ended up being uh one of the capitol police but she was like yeah i really didn't trust him he didn't have a partner with him he was like very angry and hostile and like she didn't know what the hell was going but she eventually was directed to to run to the building across the street um which i believe a lot of people were housed in and she ended up having she ended up getting stuck in katie porter's office and they ended up barricading that office and you know hiding in there together um and a lot of people online, like, and a lot of people online were like, oh, she made this whole thing up and she wasn't even in the Capitol building. I mean, number one, I, I looked at the map uh, of that area. The Capitol building is literally adjacent to this building. It's like a 30 second walk. So, I mean, I'm sure if people were inside of the Capitol building, there were people inside of this building because it was not nearly as fortified or, or defended as, right. you know. Well, I mean, because you've got you've got hundreds, like, you know, 450 some congressional reps right and they all have offices and obviously they're not all in the capitol buildings only some of them are right so you have uh, there's about 10 buildings that house congressional offices it's a campus basically yeah they're all connected with tunnels underground right and those are just the tunnels we know about and there's other tunnels that are uh not mapped because it's the fucking federal government so right you know escape routes sense (laughs) right uh so yeah there's i mean there's there's nothing implausible about her story uh it's just that you know, you've got people that think that she's just like a paid actor, right? So, like, this is all just her making shit up, right? But, you know, like, like she says in in her video or in the story, like, she's like, this all could have taken place in four seconds, or it could have been three minutes. I don't know, right? Because right. when you're really panicked, you're not thinking about time; you're thinking about how do I survive, right? And, right. And there's nothing about what we've seen video of to suggest that that wasn't what all of the people in government were thinking as people were tearing down the doors and beating people to death. Right, right. I mean, you saw that video of Pramila Jayapal who ended up getting stuck in the upper deck, the upper balcony of the of the house mm-hmm. chamber. And she was in there when there were fucking people in there. She had to hide, like, you know, under the seats. That, that area was barricaded off, but um, it, that, I mean, it's fucking terrifying. And uh, you know, the thing with AOC is, like, none of this, you know, negates any of our previous criticisms. I think there's a problem where 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 people on the left, we feel boxed in to an opinion. And, like, you can have an opinion about somebody, and that doesn't change the fact that you can still feel sympathy for them when they go through something that's legitimately horrific, you know, and, 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 and not think that everything that they say is a lie, even though that they are, you know someone who has lied to you about about shit that they shouldn't lie about like that like both of those things can be true that she was bullshitting us on the force the vote thing and that she was fearing for her life you know for during this this riot where these guys by the way you know the whole thing about like oh she you know and she was in her office across the street these guys knew where jim Clyburn's secret office was and they trashed it like these people had a fucking plan and they had a you know a layout of these buildings some of them did some, some of them, them were just idiots that rushed no in no, no. Were most like, of them were idiots, hey but, what's this right. piece of paper and like flip through like <laughs> right the, right you know day planner because they're like oh, what's the, a day planner i've never planned a day in my life I'm just <laughs> right a, right a useful idiot who showed up to this fucking well and, the, and that's jamboree and and like but that and that's the only true thing about what that cia jerk off was saying is that like you know there it was a, a small group of like these paramilitary guys who had a plan who basically used Use this mass distraction 
of 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 idiots to to carry out a, a very detailed and um you know precise plan and 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 you oh know. you mean like every coup that the CIA right. has ever waged e- exactly exactly right and if they had the CIA backing they might have actually succeeded like that's the one right. area. oh they would have had arms and funding and an airport and yeah it would have been the works when the capital uh, the capital PD who were trying to help people wouldn't have been on duty that day if the CIA <laughs> was planning it like that's the right you know. Yeah, we forgot to give all the black people in the capital a day off because they were <laughs> right, the ones that right, actually right. were like trying to save lives. Right. No, they uh, would have they would have carried it out on <laughs> Juneteenth instead. They would have been like, "Oh no, all, right. all of our black employees can have the day off," you know, because we're so we're so caring of uh, <laughs> we're, we're so attuned to you know uh, to Juneteenth. We want to make sure you all have the day off, and then they would have done it on that day. Um, but but, no. but it, you know, it's still it's like the you know the CIA has nothing to overthrow in America because they are the government it's themselves. So right. When, when we talk about like you know the Biden administration versus the Trump administration versus the Obama administration versus the Reagan administration, like there is no change of the guard. No. It is the CIA all the time, every time. Right. Right. Like that's that's who is in charge. And that's how a guy like this, whatever his fucking name is, can go on NPR and be so cavalier about it. Right, you know? right. And, and talk about, oh, we're not going to be like Iraq or Afghanistan with those violent insurgents. Like, like, wh- wh- how do you say those words and not appreciate the irony? Right, that, right. Like, w- those countries' governments were overthrown by, by violent insurrection from a force outside of their own sovereignty. You know, right. and, and then they pretend as though this won't be like that. Like, well, all you're saying is that you don't want it to be like that. It already is like that right. because you are the ones who have empowered these people. And then you see, you know, <laughs> Anthony Blinken, the, who we talked about uh, last week, you know, uh, just a fucking atrocious uh, secretary of state choice is already saber rattling with Iran. And uh, there, there was a, a bunch of news reports last week. Uh, just in, Biden administration says Iran could be could now be quote weeks away from having material to build a nuclear bomb. <laughs> yeah, and then just yesterday, Which, Biden, Biden administration says that they have rejected Iran's offer to re-enter into their non-nuclear proliferation. They, they they refuse to meet with them to negotiate. They say, oh well, Iran has to start abiding by the old terms of the deal, which we fucking broke before we'll even consider talking with them and re-entering the deal, yeah. which is. Why do they have to go back to the old deal before we negotiate a new one? Right. We're the ones that violated that deal and canceled that deal. Right. It, right. It, it's just, it's like, it's literally, it's it's the fucking, you know, it's the Bill Hicks bit. Jack Palance, you know, Western, uh, you know, throws a gun down on the ground. And he's like, pick up the gun. <laughs> Sir, I, I don't want to pick up that gun. I just I came here to town to get some gingham for my wife. Pick up the gun. <laughs> and as soon as the guy picks it up, pow, bam, right. shot him. You saw it, didn't you? He had a gun. You know? It's it's that. It's like right. you have to comply by the terms of the deal that we broke if you want to change the terms later in the future, which, of course, we won't let them. No, of course. You know? and, and this is a semi-annual tradition, by the way. I, I just want to read through. Somebody did a comp- compilation of headlines. January 27th, 2009, Iran could have a nuclear bomb by 2010, study warns. Uh, Iran will amass enough low-enriched uranium this year to have, and then the article cuts off. Uh, March 3rd, 2015, Netanyahu, with 190,000 centrifuges, Iran could have enough enriched uranium for an entire nuclear arsenal within weeks. (laughs) September 20th, 2020. 
Uh, breaking. U.S. believes Iran may have enough fizzle material for a nuclear bomb by the end of the year. It, it's just, they're, they're, I don't know what's happening in these in these labs in Iran where they've just fallen so far behind schedule that they're constant. I, I really think it's a budget thing where they're just like, no, 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 no. All we need is a couple more weeks, guys. A couple more weeks and they're fucking, you know, building pinball machines instead of fucking <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> centrifuges. They've, because... just, they've got enough centrifuges to come up with the, you know, Tom Clancy plot for the next Iron Man movie. <laughs> right. You know, right. that's just all it is. Uh, no, it's absurd. It's absurd. And, you know, when, when you get down to it, like the only thing protecting them uh, would be an actual nuclear bomb. Right. Because having a nuke is the only thing that uh, the United States won't invade a country for. Right. It's like, oh, shit, you could actually hurt us back. So we right. better not fuck with you. Right. Right. Uh, and, and again, this is this is Iran, a country that has a history twice as long as our history. Uh, and in all of their history, has not invaded another country once. Right, right. In 400 years. Nor should I mention dropped a nuclear weapon on them. Uh, we're, we're still, by the way, the only country in world history to ever use a nuclear uh, weapon on another country. So just, you know, <laughs> again, it, it's preposterous that we're constantly like, oh, well, they want to use nuclear. It's like we're literally the only ones who have ever done that. So, like, I don't know what you're. We have, we're the only country in the world who has no ground to stand on in that conversation. Ever, because we dropped two no, fucking nuclear weapons. We're a nation weapons. of white guys in the suburbs who have, you know, ring cameras on the door of their houses because they're convinced everyone wants to break in and steal shit, uh, when the only person that's only ever stole anything is those people who stole a fucking continent from the people who lived here first. Right, right, right. So it's just absolute projection. Right. Yeah. Fuck. Well, um, you know, I, I do want to mention also, while we're on the topic of Biden, um, we're still not done with this, with this $2,400, you know, st- they're, they're just plowing ahead with this, you know, even fucking Bernie got on board the other day. Um, it was really disappointing to see he went on CNN and, you know, said, well, we'd really need to, you know, complete the promise of the $2,000, uh, checks by, by adding an additional $1,400 into this next statement, you know, and again, I'm not going to, we ad nauseum, we went into it last week, why this is bullshit and why this is a completely new stimulus bill. And this is not even remotely adequate. I I, I do want to read out the democratic, um, the official at the Democrats Twitter account tweeted this out. And this is the kind of messaging that they're, their fancy font on the dollar amount right yeah. right so and this is this is the messaging that they, that they're going into 2022 with so um i, I predict a bloodbath uh you know the the democrats are going to have both chambers of the house for about another uh what is it maybe year and a half until the next uh, until the midterm elections and then it, it, it's just all going to go away because this is the kind of bullshit they're trying to feed to people and acting as if this is you know what what is actually an effective strategy um so this is the tweet uh, at POTUS will build on the $600 down, $600 down payment provided by Congress last year, sending an additional $1,400 to households across America, totaling direct payments to $2,000 per person. That's a, what a great fucking slogan. What great messaging that, that fucking word salad run on sentence. Um, but, but the graphic itself is what I find so, uh, enraging Right. Um, because it's it's like they've got a little, you know, somebody did like a font suite where there's like a, a, a sans serif font alongside a serif font, you know, because they, they spent more time and energy in creating a, a font suite than they did giving a shit about our fucking lives. Right. Um, but the very first line of, of the graphic 
right above where it says fourteen hundred dollars, and like, oh, isn't that a lot of money? Look how right. big the font is. Like the font for the for the dollar amount is is like easily fifteen times larger than any other text there. So you're supposed to just be like, oh, fourteen hundred dollars. Look at that giant number. It's like the giant fucking wheel on Wheel of Fortune. You can spin it around. It's a big. The number's bigger than your head. Right. Look how much money hundred dollars is. But right above the giant dollar amount, it says. American Rescue Plan will provide, and then it says $1,400, and it's like Rescue Plan, Rescue Plan. We're rescued, right? So I, I literally, I, I fucking, I tweeted this out with a uh, little sort of uh, three-image graphic from uh, Star Wars Rogue One uh, of the robot who's just uh, smashed Jyn or so to the ground. Congratulations, you are being rescued. Please do not resist. Right. Right. This is I mean this is literally like that 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 famous cartoon that goes around all the time where there's a hand reaching out of like an ocean where the person's drowning and then you see another hand reaching down in the second frame and then the third yeah. frame they give him a high fly high five high and then five, they fly baby. away. <laughs> then they fly away. That's that's the Biden administration in a nutshell. And uh, th- this is a fucking insult to our intelligence and not to mention uh Biden, you know, I think we mentioned it last week. I, it's so hard to keep all this shit straight when it happens, but he was he's open to negotiating on, on, on the relief checks. And now there was another um, report. Uh, let me see if I could find it here. Um, today, or I think it was today or yesterday, where I can't find it, but it but it basically said senior Democrats are working on uh, more a more targeted relief check so basically they want to further means test the already overly means tested fucking stimulus so they want to make sure that nobody like literally they want to make sure unless you're living you know out of a fucking box that you that you don't see an inch of fucking relief in this country well, i live in an apartment and i still couldn't get any of that like, right well and that's the, yeah exactly it's already too too fucking means tested in the way that it's calculated right so if if me getting that money means that somebody that doesn't need it gets an extra two grand and you know squirrels it away or uh, buys some GameStop stock, uh, right. so be it. Right. Right. The whole it's thing is it's fake it's, anyway. It's like not it's, it's unemployment insurance. It's stimulus money. So whether it goes to somebody who's about to be evicted or it goes to somebody who's got a four hundred one k and they're doing fine, their mortgage is paid off. It's still supposed to stimulate the economy so no matter who it goes to it's supposed to fucking help them right right it's supposed to help the economy and and, oh the the guy that's got a hundred thousand dollars in his bank account gets an extra two grand doesn't mean shit to him oh no we can't let the poors have any extra money because it might benefit a rich person yeah all the people that voted for the trump uh, tax cuts for the for billionaires, right? That are now pretending as though, like, oh, it wouldn't be fair to rich people if we let the poor's have two thousand dollars. Right, two trillion dollar tax cuts, by the way. Yeah, two literally would fund. <sighs> and and yeah. now they're saying, well, okay, you, we can we can either go all in on fifteen dollar minimum wage uh, in the next uh, ten years, or we can do the stimulus now. You take your pick. Great, right, right. So you know, shoot me in the leg or shoot me in the arm. Like you, you're just fucking us over, regardless. You know, whatever we pick, it's like, well, you can't. Yeah, it, it, it's so fucking disgusting on so many levels. Just the disdain that they have for poor people and working people in this country. Um, and 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 I just I continue to be amazed, just purely by the fact that there's just no concern for optics or just even their own like petty self-interests of getting reelected. I, it, it is just amazing to me that 
how much capital has asserted itself uh, during this pandemic. I mean, just just even like there, every other country in the world, every other major Western country, you know, who are all super fucking capitalists, uh, fundamentally understood that like it, literally the, the the game would be up if we didn't at least provide relief to get the people through this, you know, fucking once in a once in a lifetime once in a fucking you know uh, civilization fucking pandemic um where, where we just you know we we need to provide for people to get through this because otherwise there's just going to be nothing left on the other side of it, it it's amazing that in this country it, it, we've just capital is just stamped down so hard on um the government that they haven't even done that just purely out of self-interest of like you know We'll never get elected again. We'll ne- the, the the economy will never recover. All these, you know, all the concerns that you know are are very valid from from uh, the lack of providing fucking relief to people. It, it's amazing to me how much of an iron fist that they've well wrapped around I, I the mean, neck of. At the this end of the country. day, sure, it's about capital, but I think uh, deep down, the people that pull the levers of power, um, you know, <clears throat> they know how much millennials graduating from college want to get into the oil industry. <laughs> And, you know, if the economy crashes, the, you know, these Zoomers and Millennials and uh, even some Gen Xers, like they just they've been trying to break into the industry of fossil fuel production and they can't they can't get in because there's no more jobs because people aren't driving their cars. Right. <laughs> They're not making cars. We have to make cars bigger to make up for the fact that people aren't buying them as much. <laughs> Uh, is this so, too much open road? What are we doing? We need there's to... there's space left. There's room for more car. You know, we got lanes that are 14 feet wide. Let's fucking, you know, like extend the wheelbase wider than the chassis. Uh, so th- this is an article that came out in the New York Times that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. This right. is like this shit had me howling um, because it, it's like some some dad that has a hard on for you know, the 1950s, thought he could, like, reach out to uh, the youth of today by <laughs> He really thought a, he was doing a, something a, with this. A, a, yeah, like a profile and courage of all the young people who, you know, went to school uh, to, to do the right thing and get a career in the petroleum industry, <laughs> right? And hired, like, a professional photographer to do, like, really high-end, soft-focused uh, portraits of these young people all wearing clothing that are then paired up with like a diptych, you know, when you have like two images that go together. Uh, right. And this is like all throughout the whole article. And their clothing matches the colors of the pictures of fossil fuel uh, plants that are like belching smoke. <laughs> so the the cover image is this young woman. It's, you know, like Instagram model wearing like a, you know, cashmere sweater with her head turn dramatically next to just like this fucking like huge cloud of toxic chemicals pouring out of like a fucking tower of something and the title is a slap in the face the pandemic disrupt disrupts young oil careers <laughs> just like what does Disru- someone think like, of the poor oil fucking oil rickers <laughs> like if there's not jobs in that industry doesn't that mean that the f- hand of the free market worked you, yeah. you think like after they banned uh, hanging, somebody was like, "What? Well, somebody think of the poor executioners? Who's gonna? What are they gonna do now for work if they can't pull the lever to drop the platform out from under? You? Like, it's, exactly. it's, it's just like, it's about the carpenters that had to build those gallows. Like, don't you care about their lives? Right. 
they'll be right. fine. They could just go build, you know, the fucking prisons that house the, the, the electric chairs now or whatever the whatever this, the next uh, step was. This, this article is I thought I had notes on this, so apologies if I have to jump around a little bit here, but I, I couldn't find my notes from this article from uh, weeks ago. But it starts off uh, uh, Houston. Sabrina Burns, a senior at the University of Texas at Austin, uh, had thought she would be launching a lucrative career in the oil and gas industry when she graduated in just a few months. But the collapse of the demand for oil and gas during the coronavirus pandemic has disrupted her well-laid plans and is forcing her to consider a new path. Like, damn it! Oh, foiled again by the free market. <sighs> so here's like her. Fin- qu- yeah, she, she's got a quote here. Uh, we got a slap in the face, an entirely unforeseen situation that rocked our entire mindset. Said Miss Burns. I love that her name is Burns. You know, <laughs> right, I just right. like think of like Monty Burns from The Simpsons. Uh, I have applied for every oil and gas position I've seen, which is bullshit because it's like, oh, you want an oil and gas position? Go work at a fucking gas station, bitch. Like, right, sure. Can, <laughs> go go move of... to a state like Oregon where you are it's illegal to pump your own gas and you have to have an attendant pump your gas for Jersey you. Jersey also, yeah. There's a job in the oil and gas industry. <laughs> Fucking spoiled asshole. Uh, it, it, yeah, so let me scroll down here. I'm going to look for this other guy's quote here. Uh, and uh, again, then they got a guy who he's like leaning on a stairwell looking like sadly off into the distance and it's all black. And he's like paired up with a picture of these giant fucking smokestacks, you know, like at dusk, you know, like all, all looking all wistful and sad. <laughs> uh, scrolling down here further, and we got another guy like, li- they're all looking off camera is the thing. It's like not like a portrait. It's like, hey, what if you turn your head to the side and looked away to a future that won't have as much gasoline and carbon emissions and toxic dumping uh, into the ocean? Like, won't that be sad not to have? Right, right, right. So this guy's got a plaid shirt that matches the color hue of like more fucking toxic gas being spelled from a fucking total refinery. Um, Miles Hampton Arvery, a senior at University of Houston who is studying finance and accounting, wanted to follow his father into the oil and gas industry. Oh, he just wants to be like his father. Why? Why do you Marxists not want him to have a, a, a legacy that respects his father? Right. Um, so he says, energy and gas is something I am passionate about. Oil and gas is not for everyone for the next 20 or 30 years. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. I misread that. Oil and gas is not going anywhere for the next 20 or 30 years. Really? So from um, whence comes this article? Because <laughs> it sounds like it is going right. somewhere. Right. It sounds like it's going to be disappearing. Uh, also, the, just the cognitive dissonance of somebody our age to just be like, oh, no, yeah, no, oil and gas should totally be around 30 years from now. Like... It, it, like you're not an idiot. You've you've gone to college. You understand I, the fucking right. science of climate change. You and, fucking and, and motherfucker. I, and I know how reporters work when they interview people. And I guarantee he didn't say that. I guarantee the reporter paraphrased that and right. put his own words in and said, "Hey, so uh, studies show that oil and gas is not going anywhere for twenty or thirty years. So what do you think about that?" Right. And he said his reaction to whatever the reporter said. And then the reporter took the part of his question and part of the answer and put it together as a single quote. They do that all the time. Yeah, that that's how reporters write things. You can see that to- in in real time if you ever watch sixty minutes. They'll ask a question and word it the exact way they want it to be answered, and then the participant will just you know unknowingly answer it in the exact same phrasing like you know oh and they told you to go in there oh yeah they told us to go in there like it it, it, they do that all the time it's just it's such fucking 
<laughs> just media manipulation but so i i want to read a little bit more yeah absolutely uh of this guy's quotes because it just it's just this is just like we're trying to tell a sob story about how hard it is for young people to get a job <laughs> right in this industry of oil and gas right, right. so uh, referring to his father here his father was a project manager in offshore fi- uh in offshore fields in the gulf of mexico mr avery is interested in an office job and twice interned with EY, also known as Ernest Young, doing a financial modeling, auditing, and fine-tuning balance sheets for several American and Canadian oil companies. Right. Like, ooh, that, uh, some real uh, leatherneck work there. Um, <laughs> he became the vice chairman of the Energy Coalition, a student group that provides educational and job op- fair opportunities for students. Mr. Avery is referring to the, the young man who can't get a job. Mr. Avery attracted enough attention to land interviews with several oil and gas companies, but a job offer proved elusive. Quote, it's very competitive, he said, uh, and the downturn has only made it harder to land a position. Set to graduate in May, Mr. Avery, 22, has switched careers. Switched careers? He's 22. He hasn't had a career <laughs> yet. What are you talking about? He doesn't have a career. Like, what? Yeah, what, he switched majors? He doesn't have a fully developed brain yet. Like, what? Right. So... <laughs> So Mr. Avery, 22, has switched careers and accepted a job at J.P. Morgan Chase, <laughs> where he expects to get involved in derivatives and marketing in the technology industry. Oh, a more ethical Some, career choice. <laughs> so Wait, I'm not done. Someday, though, he said, he might find a place in the energy industry. Quote, I'm a little disappointed, but you have to, you have to keep on moving. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to do something where I can hurt as many people as possible, and, and it's just they're making Look, it so I'll, hard I'll for take, me right I'll now. take this fucking full-time <laughs> job at J.P. Morgan Chase with a, with a six-figure salary uh, coming out of college at the age of 22, if I have to. Right. But someday I hope to get something serious. Right, right. <laughs> it's just, it's just so fucking preposterous. And then, and this like, is the, this is the New York, New York Times thinking that they're like trying to reach super out to millennials and Zoomers for a sob story about how hard it is for these kids. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't, I can't, I, I can't with these fucking. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. The, and this is, and this is again another, you know, just paper. This is the paper that liberals think is like the fucking gospel and they think that this, this is the this is the left-wing news that they get that they consume and then and then they go out and think <sighs> that they're right i just can't i can't oh god Ugh, brain god. my brain I need a yeah i need clorox my brain after that story all right well i think that pretty much uh wraps us up uh, yeah we've we both been checked out from politics for about a week so like yeah. we were both very unprepared for this episode so i'm, I'm like literally just pulling from <laughs> old things like I don't know, we, but we, we had a lot to but. talk we, we ended up fine we always find something to talk about but um but yeah and also i want to get out before we <laughs> we've we've tempted the uh technical the technical gods oh, yeah. way too much this episode so i want to have fun trying to edit this together with all the times right, that you've right. dropped out so let's get out while the getting's good right so yeah um <laughs> you know if you want to help the show out uh rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts uh follow us on soundcloud and share the show out soundcloud.com slash move left facebook.com slash move left idiots um we have a patreon at patreon.com slash move left merch is available at tinyurl.com slash move left pod pod uh the show's twitter is move left pod at move left pod on twitter i am at move underscore left and as always, I'm on, well, oh, fuck. Just go, I'm on Twitter. You'll find me. Whatever. We're out of here. <laughs> Goodbye. See you next week, everybody. <laughs>